Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Jen Golbeck and welcome to this week's episode of Because Science. After a bit of a hiatus, we're back to talk about pi. Mmm, pi. No, not that pi. The number pi. I've always had a fascination. Maybe an obsession. I named my first dog Pi. But it's not just me. Even the Simpsons gave Pi some love. Hard and hope to die. Here's the digits that make Pi. 3.14159265358979323842. Pi even has its own day. And this year it's going to be an epic day. That's because on March 14th, 314, get it? The date and time actually makes the first 10 digits of pi. Those digits are 3.14159265358. So on March 14th, 2015, 31415, at 926 and 54 seconds, the date makes the first full 10 digits of pi. But why is this one irrational number so fascinating, prompting math geeks everywhere to memorize and celebrate it? This week, we look at the history, uses, and future of Pi. We invited our listeners to call in to the Because Science voicemail box this week and leave their messages with their thoughts about Pi or just to recite how many digits they know. All right, I'm going to guess 3.14215953. I don't know. 3.14159. Let's start with a little refresher about pi. It's a constant, meaning it's just a number. It's infinite, so the numbers after the three go on forever. And it's irrational, which means those digits never repeat. You probably learned about pi in elementary school for the area of a circle, pi r squared, or maybe the circumference, that's pi times the diameter. But have you ever tried to measure it? You know how they have a meter in Paris? They should have a pi in Paris. You know, there's the meter, there's the second, right? That's how many oscillations of a something atom, right? And now there should be a pi, a constant, where you can go like, oh, all our computers died, we have to reset them with pi, we have to go back to the original pi. I think there should be that. Why isn't there that? That's what they should have in Paris. A one meter, a circle with a one meter radius. They should be like, this is our circle for making pi, for measuring pi. Calculating pi. Measuring, measuring, not calculating, measuring. I want a physical representation of pi. Don't bother me with the formula. That's just, that's just approximation. That's just mm, wizardry, dark magic. So you want to measure pi? Okay. Here's Cody Bunton, a PhD candidate at the University of Maryland, to tell you how to measure and see pi in all the circles around you. When I was a kid and I was first being taught about pi, my teacher presented it to me as just a number, a number that was thought up by some ancient Greek philosopher, and I would need to memorize this number because it would be useful in several geometric formulas that I would need to know in order to pass my class. And I didn't really get the sense of the connection between pi and the real world, or what pi meant from a practical standpoint. But the connection is there, and we can show it with a little experiment that you can do pretty simply, and it'll give you a sense of pi for yourself. So you need a few things for this, uh, a string, like a shoelace, a marker, and a few circular objects you can pick up from around your house, like a bowl, a pot, or a pan, or something like that. But let's start with the bowl. So you take the bowl, and you take your string, 
Put the end of the string on the rim of the bowl and stretch it across the center of the bowl. Where the string touches the rim of the bowl on the other side, take your marker and put a mark on the string. Now, try and wrap the string around the rim of the bowl. You'll probably have to turn the bowl upside down to do this, but once the string touches itself around the rim of the bowl, put a mark on the string where they touch. And now put the string in front of you, and you'll see the two marks you made. Put your finger over that first mark and make a U shape around your finger with the string. And now, do the same thing when the string passes over its start to make this nice S-shaped curve. And what you should see is the second mark you made should be a little bit beyond the edge of the S. Now what this shows us is the length of the string from its beginning to the second mark you made is a little bit more than three times the length of the string from its beginning to the first mark you made. Now, take whatever second object you have, like your pot or your pan, and repeat this same experiment by taking the string, stretching it over the center of the pot of the pan, and then wrapping it around the rim of the pan, making marks as you go. If you once again make this nice S-shaped curve, you'll see that the second mark you made should be a little bit beyond the S-curve you made. And once again, we see that this length from the beginning to the second mark you made is a little bit more than three times the length of the string from the beginning to the first mark you made. Now, in fact, this ratio of a little bit more than three to one holds for any circular object you can find. What we've actually done here is we've measured the diameter of our object by taking the string across its center, the circumference of the object by taking our string and wrapping it around the rim of the object, and we've seen that the ratio of the circumference to the diameter is a little bit more than three to one. What we've actually done is shown this little bit more than three to one is pi to one, and pi is the name of the label that we've attached to this ratio that's a little bit more than three. And I think there's a difference between knowing the abstract definition of pi and seeing it for yourself. Now with this string, you can actually approximate pi by taking a ruler, measuring the length of the string from, the, from its beginning to the first mark you made, and from its beginning to the second mark you made, dividing the larger number by the smaller number, and you should come out with a number that's a little bit more than three. And in fact, you've just approximated pi for yourself. Now we've put ourselves in the same level as this ancient Greek philosophers my teacher was telling me about. And that's why we don't need a reference pi. It's there, inside every circle. I know, that is what's awesome about it, actually. That, like, every circle will do this. That's really cool. You don't need that original circle because every circle does this. It's awesome. It really is. We've known about pi for a long time. Yeah, I'm David Joyce. I'm professor of mathematics and computer science at Clark University. David gives us a quick summary. Pi has to do with the... Uh, area of a circle and the circumference of a circle, and it has appeared in lots of different cultures in the past, probably independently. The ancient Babylonians of uh, 4,000 years ago and the ancient Egyptians of 4,000 years ago both had estimates for pi. They didn't call it pi, of course, but they had estimates for finding areas and circumferences of circles. And the uh, more recently, only 3,000 years ago or so, the uh, ancient uh, Chinese and Indians also had it, and uh, it was studied extensively by the ancient Greeks about uh, 2,300 years ago, where Archimedes found some good estimates of it. Ancient Babylonians generally used something like three for the value of pi. If they wanted the circumference of a circle, they just took three times the diameter of the circle. It's good enough for one decimal place, and it's, it's not bad for practical use and it's very easy to use. The Egyptians had a better estimate for pi. They would take the area of a circle to be uh, the square on eight-ninths of the diameter. 
and uh, the square and eight ninths of the diameter comes out to be a pretty good estimate for a pie, about one percent off, just a little bit high. So uh, that was the the best estimate of ancient times, that four thousand years ago. Uh, you can find that in the Alms or Rin Papyrus. Uh, there are about three problems that use that as the estimate of pi. Uh, the next best estimate that came up was the ones that uh, the ancient Greeks worked on. First record was uh, of that computation was Archimedes, and Archimedes gave a lower and an upper estimate for the value of pi, and one of those was uh, 22 sevenths. The approximation of 22 sevenths could be called the Archimedean approximation for pi. But the cool thing about pi is that it shows up in other places that seem to have nothing to do with circles. Uh, okay, uh, I am Drew Armstrong. I am an associate professor of mathematics at the University of Miami. Well, what I like about pi as a mathematician is when it shows up unexpectedly. I mean, when you're dealing with circles, there's never it's never a surprise that pi is going to be involved. In, you know, pi will definitely be involved anytime you're dealing with circles, but I, I I like when pi shows up in completely unexpected places. So, for example, uh, there's this famous problem in mathematics called the Basel problem. So, um, the problem is to compute the sum of a series. So, the series begins 1 over 1 plus 1 over 4 plus 1 over 9 plus 1 over 16 plus 1 over 25 and so on. If you missed it, that's one over each of the perfect squares. Two squared, three squared, four squared, and so on. And you keep adding it up, add all the terms all the way to infinity. And people knew that this series actually converges to a finite number, but they didn't have any idea what finite number it was. So this problem was posed uh, in Basel, Switzerland in uh, 1644. Uh, and people worked on it for a hundred years and they had no idea what the answer was. And then uh, the young Leonard Euler came along, and in the year 1734, he surprised everyone, and he said, the sum of the series is exactly pi squared divided by 6. And it really... <laughs> well, I think what's amazing about that is is not that he was able to do it, but what the answer is involves, involves pi in this strange way. Like, well, what did that problem have to do with circles? It, nothing, nothing, obviously do with circles, but the, it turns out that the answer is exactly pi squared divided by 6. This leads into my favorite fact about pi, which is the following. If you choose two random numbers, like say, you know, set a, a boundary like 1,000, um, and choose two random numbers less than 1,000, whole numbers, what is the probability that they will be relatively prime, or the probability that they don't have any common factors? So this means if you took all the numbers that evenly divide one number, none of those would evenly divide the other. So like 12 is divisible by 2 and 6 and 3 and 4. It's co-prime with 35 because 35 is divisible by 5 and 7. They don't have any of the same divisors. 12 wouldn't be co-prime with 9 since 3 divides them both. Okay, moving on. The probability that two random numbers are co-prime or relatively prime is 6 over pi squared, or about 61%. And that's another problem that you think, well, what does that have to do with circles at all? It seems to not to have anything to do with circles. So the the fact that pi shows up in, in such a surprising way, I think, is what I like about it. So pi shows up in every circle, and also in lots of unexpected places. And that seemingly universal importance of pi might be one reason we're so fascinated by it. 
Here's Dr. Drew Armstrong again, talking about the Carl Sagan book, Contact, and why Pi is so interesting to us. Well, maybe I can just read a, a short quote. She, they say, your mathematicians have made an effort to calculate pi out to, let's say, the 10 billionth place. You won't be surprised to hear that other mathematicians have gone further. Well, eventually, let's say it's in the 10 to the 20th place, something happens. The randomly varying digits disappear, and for an unbelievably long time, there's nothing but ones and zeros. So these aliens discovered that if you compute the digits of pi far enough, it just all collapses down to zeros and ones and there's some kind of message encoded in the digits of pi. But the interesting thing is that you have to compute the digits of pi base 10. So somehow the creator of the universe was waiting for creatures with 10 fingers to come along and compute pi all the way out and left a, left a message for us hidden in, in the digits of pi. That sort of explains exactly what people like about pi. It's the hope of something like that, that by studying pi, you can get closer to, I don't know, closer to a god or something like that. So there's our little slice of pie for you. To help you celebrate Pi Day, I've included my favorite key lime pie recipe in the description of the podcast. I hope you enjoy the math and the dessert. If you like the podcast, please share and subscribe. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and at becausescience.info. If you have a comment, send it to me on Twitter to at Jen Golbeck. That's it for this week's Because Science. I'm Dr. Jen Golbeck. Thanks for listening.